0: Anyway, welcome back. Uh, It's very nice to see you, particularly if this is your first time here. Uh, As we always say, you're here on your own terms. Check us out for as many weeks or as few weeks as you like. Um, uh, But obviously, uh, we are a relatively new church here, and there's lots of stuff to be excited about. Uh, As Hannah mentioned, there's Alpha there's city groups starting, which is our like community groups. Uh, we have um, the baptism services next week, which will be very exciting. We have Easter, which is, I know, a few months away, but this is kind of where I look towards because it's our birthday. We launched a year and a half ago, just about, just over that. And so Easter will be our second birthday. We will also be baptizing small children. If you have a small child somewhere that you would like to be baptized or dedicated, uh, then can you come and talk to me afterwards? Because we could either do that next week as well, um, or the following week, um, and I can explain baptism and dedication to you as well. Uh, What else have we got? We've got serve the city things, and we've been helping out with URM. Uh, We want to be more and more involved here in Los Feliz. So there's about 12 different ways of saying Los Feliz, and I don't know which one's right. Los Felice. Okay, hands up, Los Feliz. The two of you. Uh, anyone, anyone want to bit more? Anyone who actually lives? Actually, you guys do live here. Anyone else want to? I don't know. Okay, I'm going to say Los Feliz because I'm English. Good. <laughs> there we go. Uh, anyway, lots to be excited about. And this time of year is kind of when we all decide, don't we, to make um, some decisions that will make our lives better. Do we not? No more junk food or alcohol or social media or HBO binges. more health food, kombucha, socializing, and okay, but Game of Thrones final season. And also The Crown, season two and also true detective season 3 what are we going to do with that okay let's watch those in bed because that's where we watch them but we'll drink a diet coke whilst we do so because that will be good for us right um maybe not i once uh, i used to work in advertising and i once pitched with a uh, creative team an idea for diet coke uh which was um we we saw all the atlanta Coke, big wigs, very conservative, good people. Anyway, the idea was, um, basically, Diet Coke, it's a start, isn't it? It's a start towards health. It's just a start. So we had um, these TV spots of really uh, perfectly formed... Uh, gym people doing gym stuff and then very um, not perfectly formed, uh, kind of unfit people lounging on sofas, smoking a cigarette with kind of um, stubble, uh, drinking a dark coke and going, it's a start. (laughs) And amazingly, they didn't buy it, Uh, but there we go. I soon stopped working in advertising. Back to resolutions, I'm doing dry January this year, and um, I know many of you will be doing similar things uh, to detox yourself for the new year. But I've always found this time of year a little bit odd. Because we resolved to make ourselves better at this time of year, but I'm pretty sure we're gonna be doing exactly the same thing in 2021, 2022, and I'm pretty sure we did it in 2018 and 2017. So there's this kind of weird dichotomy, isn't there, between a better hope for the future and this nagging sense of, yeah, but will it get better? Will it be better, this one? Because let's be honest for a second, shall we? We're in church. It's good to be honest in church. When we think about it, the things that could or could not happen in 2019 that could make it great all oh, not so great, really are totally out of our control, aren't they? We may lose 20 pounds in our negativity and our slightly drooping derriere, and we may gain a six-pack and positive mental attitude and a perfectly pert and protruding posterior in their place, but that will be wonderful, but none of it guards or shields against heartache or loss or circumstance or pain which we pray will not come, of course, but it might. And I know that there will be people who are just raring to go here, very excited about 2019, can't wait, but also just in talking to people already this morning, are feeling, wait a second, are we seriously going back to work tomorrow? Are we seriously having to start again? Because I am completely knackered. I am done, and I'm tired And so what I want to do is talk to both groups of people, because this is not about dragging the pessimistic people up, come on, be optimistic, it's 2019, and it's also not about hitting the optimists with a whole load of, you know, depressing reality and going, oh, actually, why are you so excited? This is about something different. This is about taking both groups And rather than having ourselves turned in on our own self and either choosing through self-actualization I'm going to make it or through self-despair we might as well all give up. Taking both those groups rather than being turned in on ourselves and turning ourselves up to the one thing that can actually have a lasting meaningful difference to us in 2019 and every year following. So first, let me talk to those people who are feeling actually a bit under it right now. Which brings me on to Lamentations, the reading for today. Lamentations is a collection of poems that were basically in the Jewish Bible. It is... uh, part of a thing called the writings. So Song of Solomons, Ecclesiastes, Lamentations, all the books that you've never really read, those ones, they are called the writings. And they are really poetic um, attempts to work out life. Ecclesiastes doesn't mention God. Song of Songs doesn't mention God. They are Near Eastern wisdom that are kind of put together and gone, this is what we're going through right now. Who can make sense of it? And Lamentations is pretty stark. It's pretty stark. I know. Welcome to 2019. Let's go for stark. But basically, the reason it is written is, and it's usually ascribed to Jeremiah, the prophet, angry prophet, the angriest of prophets. Uh, But Jeremiah, it's usually ascribed to him. But it's about him coming to terms with the fact that the city, Babylon, have destroyed Jerusalem. They have come in, the promised land that God has promised, that they have been waiting and waiting and waiting for, has been destroyed by Babylon, and the whole of the Israelite people have been put into exile. And so it's horribly bleak. Lamentations? Horribly. But consider this. You are a Jewish person brought up with the understanding that unlike every other nation we actually know who our God is and the reason we know who our God is is because he has spoken to us he has spoken to Abraham he's spoken to Isaac and Jacob he's spoken to Moses and Aaron and Joshua and he has said I have a land for you. I have your plans, your future in my hands and I will make everything great for you because you're mine and I want you to be mine and I want me to be yours. And I'm going to take you to this extraordinary land and we're going to get there, and we're going to take you out of Egypt, and that's going to be traumatic, and then we're going to take you for years and years and years of wandering and wandering and wandering, and actually, weren't we better in Egypt? You're going to start saying to yourself, and then we're going to finally get there, and we're going to get to this land, and it is going to be good and you're going to, at least to start with, have some really good kings, but you're going to be there, and you're thinking, finally, us people, we have actually seen that God is faithful, that God is true to his promises, and we are there, but then, boom, Babylon, the big B, they come, destroy everything, kick you out, and now what are we supposed to do? What the has happened? That is what they're thinking. Ever felt like that? We did what we said. You said you were going to do this, God. You said you were going to do this, God. But look where we are. And so Jeremiah in Lamentations asks all the questions that we ask. Surely, God, you could have stopped this. Surely you could, your God. Why did you let this happen? Is it oh, actually is it me? Is it us? It is us, isn't it? We didn't do the right thing. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do and I'll do it, God. I will do it. Perhaps actually I just deserve it. Or actually maybe he's just evil or he doesn't exist and he's not there. Extremely stark. Let me just read you a little bit of this. This is in the Bible. This is Jeremiah talking about God. Like a bear lying in wait... Like a lion in hiding, he dragged me from the path and mangled me, and left me without help. He drew his bow, he made me the target for his arrows, he pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. I became the laughing stock of all my people. Wow. I just wanna say, and we will, don't worry, move to the more positive things in a bit. But I just want to say this is a lesson to all of us. Because this is in the Bible. And this is someone being utterly real and open with his God. Utterly, without pretense. He is not afraid to express exactly what he's feeling when he prays. And it is not good. In fact, he comes to God in this sort of storm of emotion. And it would be facile to dismiss this as some sort of cultural back-in-the-day that's what they did. So, how emotionally open are you? As a good British person who is emotionally repressed since the age of zero, I last had an emotion in 1984. That was my last one. I can't remember it, but I'm sure it was fun. But I was brought up with the idea that you don't really express your emotions at all. They're not to be trusted. Keep them buried down. However, I know not least having been married to someone who is very emotionally intuitive and can help me with this whole new language that I do not know about, but also having worked with a lot of people and seen a lot of people through church who actually have had the similar upbringing of keep it down, keep it down, keep it down. Big smiley face. And can I just say, the people who are worst at doing this are Christians. Big smiley face, I'm a Christian, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Look at me, I'm fine. But actually, I know that we can all learn to engage with what's actually going on. It's not like there are emotional people and not emotional people. There's just people who are either emotionally able to express themselves or not. Because we're made in the image of an emotional God who laughs and cries and dances with joy and feels pain and is fully, healthily emotional. So we need to be fully, healthy, emotional. Oh, by the way, I've got glasses. I've been diagnosed with needing glasses. I don't think you're diagnosed with that, are you? Anyway, I've got glasses. Don't worry about them. So the goal is to be healthy, emotionally healthy. Neither to be dominated by the things we feel, nor to fear them. And this is especially true when it comes to our relationship with God. Because when it comes to the work of the Spirit that we emphasize here at Bread, being able to actually open ourselves to God is key. And you can't do that without opening your intuitive, emotional self to him. And so we encourage everyone to have as wide a channel of openness in our hearts as we possibly can when it comes to the big G-O-D. And therefore, we allow the Spirit into every part of ourselves. I know it's difficult. I know it's scary. I know we're taught no, keep it all together. But really, if we want to do this Christian thing at all, if we want him to change us at all, we need to try and work out how we can be as possibly open as possible. As possibly open as possible. Now, the Holy Spirit is not a feeling. But when he isn't speaking to us through objective things like the Bible or through other people... He's trying to connect to us in a deeper, more intuitive way, at our deepest most part. And this is exactly what's going on with Jeremiah here in Lamentations. He goes on, verse 19 I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. No pretense. So if that's where you're at tell God tell him you can do it right now however difficult it is tell him my soul is downcast within me I don't know whether I believe in you anymore tell him but Jeremiah doesn't stop there verse 22 And the worship that then flows from seeing that God is actually good. That brings the confidence that only can come through a deepening work of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to ask for the Holy Spirit to meet people when we pray for them in a minute. But when he ushers us into the ultimate goodness of himself when our darkest tragedy is actually pierced by his blinding white light, his goodness and his love, when it overflows into us, that's when we start to see the world as it is. And as we really are in his presence, which is the dearly beloved children of God, the ones he's after, the ones he wants, the ones he wants to change, the ones he wants to look after, to care for, to reimagine, to recreate into the people that you sense you are at your best times. You sense you are. That's what he wants. That's his goal, but it does start with us actually being able able to acknowledge who he is and what he's like. It begins by talking to him. It begins by coming down here at the end of the service and saying, okay, despite everything, I'm still here. Here I am. Do what you can. Or, as Jeremiah does, remembering his love, his characteristics. There can be nothing further from Jeremiah's mind than conjuring up in himself, God is love. Why would I do that? Look what's going on in my life. And yet he does. This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. The Hebrew word uh, in verse 22 for love, hesed, is like a covenantal love. It means a love that has been promised It's like a family love. I can't stop you being my family. I have to love you. That's what I've chosen to do. And it therefore will never fail. It never changes because God never changes. His compassions are different. Still in verse 22. His compassions are actually related to the word womb. A mother's womb. And what this word means is that in the same way that a baby is safe is provided for and can't come to harm when things are working properly in a mother's womb. This is what God's compassions are for us. Have you seen those sort of sonograms of babies in their mother's womb? They're in this amniotic sac. They're covered, uh, surrounded by water? I don't know, some sort of liquid. <laughs> but they're completely at peace floating around in there. This is the compassion that Jesus, that our God has for each one of us. I want you to be completely safe. No outward stimuli affecting you in any way, just there, growing into the child that I have created you to be. And finally, God's faithfulness Verse 23, this is related to our word, amen, let it be so. It is a finality of a word. It is faithfulness unlike all other gods, unlike all other people, unlike everything else in this world that cannot ultimately be fully trusted, the one God who has brought us up out of Egypt, who has taken us through the wilderness, who has given us the land, who despite now Babylon taking over, he is still faithful because he's faithful, because he's faithful, because he's always faithful. Now what Jeremiah doesn't know but hopes for is what we do know, is that this isn't the end of the story, is that Jesus is the end of the story. The Bible begins and ends with Jesus. That is what it is all about, and that is what we can look to. That this man who was born as a child in a stable amongst us was God was the one person who could actually show us what human life is like. And it has happened in time and space, in history, so that we can go, despite everything, yes, God has come. He has gone to extraordinary lengths to show us that we are his, that he cares for us. Can you imagine being born in a stable? Can you imagine being despised and rejected when you are the God who threw the stars into space? Can you imagine that? These are the people I have come for and yet they are hanging me up on a cross because I came to serve and to love them. We can look to that and it will never change because God is faithful. And the reason Jeremiah does all this remembering is what it leads him to is this, and this is the key verse. I say to myself, verse 24, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Such a weird word. There's a song where, did we sing it today? You are my portion. What on earth does that mean? It's weird. It's actually entirely the right word. And it references a couple of things earlier on in the story of the Jewish people. Aaron, the high priest, is coming And looking out over the promised land, they have finally made it. This is in Numbers 16. Somewhere like that. Looking out over the promised land, they finally made it. And God speaks to him and says to him, You will have no inheritance in this land. You will have no portion of it. What? Because he goes on to say, I will be your portion. I will be the thing that you most need. And so really what he's saying to all of us is this. All the things that I've promised you, all the things that you most desire in this world, all of those things, they're not as important as me. What you really need is me. This is where life for 2019 actually starts if we want it to be fulfilling and life-giving and exciting and all the things that we hope for. This is when we are changed and made whole. Because when we have him, that's when we can be content. When things are exciting and rosy and great, but also when they are not, we can still say, but I have him. And this in some way explains the wait. I imagine that pretty much everyone in this room is waiting for something. Verse 26, it's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I don't like waiting quietly. I like waiting loudly and shouting and stamping my feet. Um, If you're the first time here, this is our church. Welcome. Welcome. And it would be easy to say, oh, so we just decided to go and plant a church, and this is it. It's great, isn't it? But that would not actually account for everything that's gone before. We decided to plant this church how long ago? Feels like about four decades ago, four and a half years ago, in London Thought okay, we're going to go and plant church. This is the right thing to do. We raised a bunch of money, and then we sat in the UK because our visas were delayed and delayed and delayed. We'd left our job, we'd taken our kids out of school, we'd rented our house. We lived in 20, no, we lived in 11 different places over a two-year period, moved 26 times. The kids went to four different schools in that time because we were waiting just for a visa. And then when we got here. We were like, okay, great. Uh, How do we start a church? Is there anyone around who wants to start this church with us? Oh, great, there's four people. Brilliant. (laughs) I really hope there'd be five, but we'll start with four. It wasn't quite that. But we met in our living room, and then we moved to another place, and then we moved to a church, and then we moved to uh, a school, and then uh, we moved here. But that whole period, I have to tell you, Throughout that time, I have been angrily waiting. I wouldn't do it again. And just like you, because I'm a human, I've gone, I don't believe in God. I'm the pastor. I can't say that. Or I do believe in him, but I only believe that he's good to other people. I've gone, what? (laughs) Should Should we just go home? At the moment, our, visa, our green cards haven't been granted, and our visa's run out in a month's time. Oh, great. A bit of faith for that. Our house won't sell in the UK. It's been on the market for a year. Would you like to buy a house? I'll give it to you for pretty much five quid. Uh, at the moment, I just need rid of it. But Jeremiah says it's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Why do we have to wait? Why at all? Shouldn't we just have it all right now? Well, I think probably because there's quite a lot of waiting in the whole life game, isn't there? Just in general. Young children can't wait to be older children. My eight year old looks like a 16 year old. I don't know why. And older children can't wait to be teenagers, and teenagers can't wait to be adults, and students can't wait until they're working, and young adults can't wait to be married or have a family, and I just want to be young again, and I cannot wait. I'm not that old, all right? Don't laugh. There's a lot of waiting around in the whole of life. And either we can see it as this huge inconvenience and effectively try to rush processes that just cannot be rushed, often only seeing the reasons when we look back, or we're going to have to become content in the wait, which is a little thing called patience. And in the wait, we're going to have to do something positive. In Jeremiah's case, God is not delivering his people, but God is delivering to his spokesperson, Jeremiah, the character, the quality, the relationship with himself that he's going to need in order to be able to speak to his people. And do you know what Jeremiah realizes after all of this? Is the big problem has been not that God has abandoned us, not that he's not faithful to to his promises, but we've forgotten him. We've forgot him. So where are you on the new year spectrum? Are you raring and excited to go? Are you going, I cannot believe it's a new year, please get me off this ride right now? Or are you somewhere in between? The challenge, and it's very simple, the challenge to all of us is wherever we are to go, Okay, but I'm going to open myself to you. I'm going to put you first because you are my portion, not the things you can do for me, not the things I feel like you've promised me, not the things that I would really like in life, and particularly not the things that I'm going after without you, but you are. You, God, are my portion, and I'm not going to forget you. I'm going to open myself, and I'm going to start there. I actually find it quite easy to connect with God when things are bad. That's actually when I do it, because I've got nowhere else to run. I've got nowhere else to turn. I mean, I will have a little stomp and a stress and a whatever for a bit. Pray for my wife. But really, I don't find it that difficult to open myself to God when things are bad. I do when things are great. Because I'm just off having a party. I couldn't care less. Oh God, whatever. Yeah, see you when I need you. But now I'm just having fun. So if you're in that camp, can I just encourage you anyway to open yourself to him? Life will be better. He is the one you need. So just to end... This year, I believe, is going to be extremely exciting for the life of this church. Extremely exciting for the life of this church. Because I think um, for people who have gone through quite a lot of the weight, quite a lot of the strain, for people who've joined us uh, in the last kind of two years or so, and also for people joining us now, this is the exciting time. This is the good time to start. Well done for coming this week. You didn't want to come 18 months ago. It was a nightmare it wasn't a nightmare but I think it's going to really grow I want to start an evening service my wife wants to kill me because I want to start an evening service but we'll start an evening service Alpha's going to be great we're going to see people come to faith we're going to have lots of city groups we're going to have a really positive impact here in this community serving the poor being a presence of uh, justice and goodness We're going to um, hopefully hire a kids worker. Would you like to be our kids worker? Yes, you would. Just saying, y- yes. Uh, we're going to hire a kids worker. We want to, um, uh, yeah, we just we're just going to grow. It's going to be very exciting. We need some money. If you're here visiting us, do not give us your money. Do not. Do not. Please don't hear that. But if you'd like to be part of this, it's going to be very fun. However, if it's just about us going for it, oh yeah, then we might as well give up. Because without the Spirit, without Him being the reason and the starting point for all of this, then there's no point. So I could tell you all the plans we can do, and hey, let's do this, let's do this, and we will get on to that, but really what I need to tell you is come back to Jesus. Come back to Him. Wherever you are, come back to him. Let him forgive all the stuff, whatever dregs we've been kind of dealing with at the bottom of 2018. Let him forgive you. It's gone in an instant. That's what he does. That's what he, it's not hard for him. He just does it. Let him forgive you, let him heal you, let him empower you, let him fill you with his love and goodness. Let him show you that he's your father. Let him show you that he's like a mother to you, holding you in his womb, not letting harm come to you. Let him show you that he cares about every single detail of your life. And always do that. Always have that as your starting point. Otherwise, you'll burn out and die, figuratively.